Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to all be here together. As was stated before, it is a privilege and we thank you for it. We just ask, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to bless abundantly, Lord. If there's anyone here or listening that is on the verge of making a decision to go forward with country living and agriculture, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would guide and bless and lead. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we want to, as I said in the prayer, um, encourage people that are contemplating um, going out there and living the country life, right? And if there's there's any beginners out there, we just want to be here to encourage you and tell you that um, there's blessings in store, major blessings in store, and I'm sure you've heard from some others. But um, we're going to tell you our journey of, of how we got there and then also about um, our health and homestead. And um, first we're going to tell a little bit about our backgrounds and where we came from prior to getting into country living. And um, my family originally comes from northern Iraq. and um, Body was born there. Or yeah. she was born in I was Baghdad. born in Baghdad, but my family originally comes from way up north. And it's just two worlds apart from north to south. And my family grew up in the mountains, and they lived off the land. Um, they sustained themselves off the land, and they loved it. They loved living up there. They enjoyed it. But the problem was is they were a minority. Uh, we're, we're, our, our culture is what you call Assyrians. Has anyone heard of an Assyrian? Yeah, people laugh, right? Why do you laugh? Because they don't have a good background, right? According to the Bible. Not just according to the Bible, according to history. And if you go to any museum and you see artifacts about the Assyrians, it's no good, is it? So, um, praise God, I'm standing before you today. (laughs) Because we know what our history would have been if it weren't for good old Jonah, right? You guys ever thought about that? If Jonah didn't go, guess who wouldn't be speaking to you tonight? Let that sink in for just a little bit. One man's decision affected a whole nation of people. And I'm here today because of Jonah. Praise God, huh? But guess what? We're all here today because one man decided to do the harder thing. And who is that? Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we can all be in the heavenly land someday because of Jesus Christ. But there's sometimes that God calls us to do the harder thing. Right? He calls us to do the harder thing. And I don't know what that is for you today, but bear with us here, right? So my family had to do the harder thing and because of persecution, because Assyrians today are all Christians. That's, that's what we are. And so Assyrians were pushed out of the north and into the cities. Wow, what a culture shock for them. So long story short, we migrated over to the U.S., or immigrated over to the U.S., and landed in Chicago. 
And prior to Chicago, we were in Athens, Greece. So Chad always says, I went from three major world em- empires. Empires of prophecy. <laughs> Babylon, Greece, and the United, United States. States. <laughs> and so, um, so I grew up in the city of Chicago. And if anybody's grown up in Chicago, you know what that's like. It's horrible. It's a concrete jungle, Right. And um, what's interesting, though, is my mom would always tell us about her life in the north of of Iraq. In the mountains. In the mountains and how she loved it. And she would tell us these stories all the time. I felt like I was living them. And so in the back of my mind, I always felt that that's what life was all about. It was always there. Even though I was in the city and the city draws you and all that kind of stuff... I always had this longing in my heart to be out there in the country. And then later on, um, we thank God. I, I got to the point where when I was in my teens, I was praying all the time, Lord, get us out of the city. Get us out of the city. I'm so tired of being in Chicago. And praise God, we finally moved out to a suburb, but then eventually went to Broadview Academy and... Um, lived on the campus because my mom worked for the campus. And that was a major turnaround for for my family in terms of spirituality. Well, one thing was um, my older brother passed away, and that really turned my life around. And then we went out there, and that added a whole bunch more in terms of drawing closer to Jesus when we were out in the country. Then I got into ministry, and in your ministry, a lot of times, where do you do the work when you're doing Bible work? It's in the cities, a lot of the times. And so we're going from city to city to city, and it got overwhelming. And, and um, the message needs to go to the cities. So even, yes. if, even if we live in the country, the gospel still needs to go to the entire world. Amen. So in between, uh, we would always... Um, go camping in between, like, let's say we went and did, because Chad, Chad also is an evangelist, and so we would do evangelism, and in between sessions, we would just go out camping, like you see in this picture, um, I guess it's not there, there we go, it'll come up, right, the next one, or I think you have the clicker, oh yeah, that's right, I have the clicker, <laughs> thank you guys, <laughs> thank you back there, I'll try to do the rest. So this is not this is not one of those days. Uh, this is actually on our property, and that's my mom and brother. But um, camping is just a part of our life. You know, it's so funny. Different people come from different backgrounds, and somebody else from another family member looked at this and said, "How did you get your mom to live in a tent with you?" And I'm like, I didn't do anything. She loves it. <laughs> you know, I didn't get her to do it. She loves doing this stuff. It's in her blood. And she instilled that in our hearts as well. A little bit of my background. I was raised in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Born and raised there. In the year 2000, there was a big seminar with ASI. And I was baptized at that time. My life was changed. And soon after that, I left the college that I was going to then and went to the Mission College, and soon after that began to do full-time ministry. And I was always interested, though, in country living. I was raised in the city, but when I was just a little munchkin, I 
my grandparents had a cottage in the country on a river, and I loved that place. I was one of the, I mean, boy, times have changed, haven't they, right? <laughs> Those little shorts back then, but... Um, even, even the simple things of, you know, pumping water, actually they had an artesian, that was actually an artesian spring there, but nevertheless it was just such a special place that was very near to my heart, and we would always go there from time to time, and I was probably one of the few people in the family that really enjoyed it other than my grandparents, and I thought as a child, why do people go out to these special places in the country? Why don't they just live there? You know, I was just a little kid, but that was my thought, you know, and I realized it can be more difficult to make a living in the country, but that was just kind of the simple thought process that I had. So I always had this desire to move to the country, and I know God had instilled that in my heart. One of the um, things besides this desire, this natural desire, was starting to read the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy together and realizing, wow, it's not just the desire I have. God really wants this for me, right? And the, things like this, where I was reading Ministry of Healing, page 58, it says, All who are under the training of God need the quiet hour for communion with their own hearts, with nature, and with God. And when I'd see things like this, I was just like, no wonder I struggled so much in the city, Right? struggled so much. And I remember uh, with our friends that grew up in the church in the city, we would have these times of great revival, like, you know, somebody come in and preach and revival, but, oh, very soon we'll be back doing the things that we do in the cities. And there was just never like that real turnaround until my brother and I, we moved to the country and the changes came and they lasted that was the change. That, I mean, to me, it was just like, God, this is what you've called us to. I want that, you know? And then, and this is not to point fingers, but we noticed our friends who stayed in the city continued that same thing, you know, um, of going to church, but then going and doing the things that people do in the city that I don't want to mention. I don't want to, like, uplift that. But the, the, the same rut the same rut. But it's things like this that really stirred my heart. Lord, that's what you want for, a, for us. I want that really bad as well. This is a very powerful quote I'm going to share with you. And it, it actually reminds me of the greatest skeptic on planet earth today is named Richard Dawkins. And he makes probably millions of dollars off of being a skeptic. And yet he was asked in a debate, he said, uh, he was asked by John Lennox, who's a Christian, another, a fellow professor at Oxford. He was asked, do you ever feel the need or the desire to worship? And you think the greatest skeptic would say, no way, that's ridiculous. I'm the greatest atheist in the world today, no way. But he actually said, yes, I do. When I look at nature, it actually makes me feel like worshiping. Isn't that powerful? And we are told this. We are told nature's voice is the voice of Jesus Christ. Teaching us innumerable lessons of perseverance. The mountains and hills are changing. The earth is waxing old like a garment. 
but the blessing of God which spreads a table for His people in the wilderness will never pass away. Isn't that powerful? We are told these things that nature's voice is the voice of Jesus speaking to us. And I always know there's something special about spending time in nature in the quiet. You can hear things in nature that you can never hear in the city. I remember I was, we were camping and everybody left and I stayed behind for a day or two. And I was in the mountains and, and I heard coming in my direction from behind, I heard... And it scared me, you know, because you're all alone in the middle of the forest. And, and I turned around to see what it was, and it was actually a bird, and it was all of its, you know, wings beats. That typically I wouldn't hear in the city, but it was so loud in the country. And in a way, you can hear God's voice more distinctly when you're in that quiet place. When you're in the quiet place. We have this experience of, as we traveled over the years... Have you ever run into people who try to get you into get-rich-quick schemes? Yeah, it happens from time to time, right? Uh, these multi-level marketing, and that's not, the multi-level marketing is not all evil, I'm not saying that, but often you run into these get-rich-quick schemes. But one verse that always came to Fadia's mind and my mind is actually Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, which says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So how did we apply this? So whenever somebody would come, because remember, if you travel a lot and somebody wants to get you in a pyramid scheme, you meet a lot of people, right? And so they're trying to get you involved in this. And so I would kindly you know, say, no, no, thank you. That's not what I travel for, <laughs> you know, and, and, but they would be very aggressive. And so then I'd say, um, really, I, I don't want to do this. And so then I come to talk to Chad and I was like, Chad, this is so overwhelming. And they made me feel guilty because some, we've actually had people, don't you want more money for your ministry? You know, like really putting pressure on me. And so then we claimed this promise Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, right? But he who gathers little by little, when you gather little by little, you learn along the way. If it just comes all of a sudden, what have you really learned? You know, that these things come by chance? I don't know. Either way, this was early on in our Bible working experience, something we really held on to. But it came as a blessing when we were wanting to get into country living. Because is it easy to get country living? Property? No, it's not. At least it wasn't for us. And it took us years and years and years um, to we finally went, we find went, something. We went years where we were making, you know, in ministry overseas, you know, $400 a month. And obviously that only goes so far. And then, you know, then $1,000 a month. And, you know, that's more than $400 a month. But living on very small amounts of money taught us to be very frugal. To live very simply, not to buy all the most, you know, the brand new gadgets that came out. Just living very simply. And that was a blessing because it enabled us to save up and actually uh, initially just buy what we bought was land. 
We, we looked around and we looked around and, and the things that we could afford that had houses on them were moldy. They were just not nice and they were just trouble and both of us are very sensitive to mold and we, you, you realize as you travel around often there's, you can actually read about it in those old wonderful books we, we've been given about the guest room. The diseased guest room. And we've learned about those over the years, you know. Or going down into the basement. I was at one church and I was staying in a pastor's basement. And I was, no exaggeration, I was losing my memory from the mold. It was scary. I was doing an evangelistic meeting and every night was like meeting people for the first time. That doesn't work well in ministry. And it was actually a very scary experience. But the point is, uh, we, we couldn't find a place that we could afford that was in decent enough shape. So what we did is we ended up purchasing land. We bought raw land and uh, the trees, we actually cut the trees down. But we bought acreage in the country and as we did, we spent month after month out there in the forest. And as we did, we were sitting there, you know, cutting down trees day after day. And once they were cut down, initially, we didn't have anything better than a wheelbarrow. We, you know, we did the bucking and we ended up, you know, cutting it into cordwood and then slowly moving it with a wheelbarrow. And that's hard work. It seemed like it's always uphill too, right? You push the wheelbarrow uphill, you know. I, I just Instead of pushing it downhill to another spot. But that seemed to be the way it was. But I'll tell you what. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Now, I'm sure there were little times where things were difficult, but we, we loved the whole process. It was such a blessing to us, and we were given the opportunity to, uh, we got to live in a tent <laughs> for months on end. And, and you might be thinking, Chad, how on earth could you do that to your wife? <laughs> there was no toilet, there was no running water, there were holes in the ground that you would dig to go to the bathroom. And it was a very simple life. We would hear the coyotes at night. We knew next door you had the bear. You know, our neighbor would text us uh, um, screen, not screenshots, trail cam shots. And he'd say, Yogi was, you know, 200 feet from your tent last night. And I think he was trying to dissuade us from building back there, actually. <laughs> he hunted back there. And, um, you know, so he, he... He didn't want a house sitting by his... By his hunting area, yeah. you know. And so, <laughs> but we had such a great time. Now, before we actually... So as we were felling trees and as we were doing the work, preparing the land, trying to clear land so that we could both uh, do agricultural work and have a house, one of the things we did is... Planted fruit trees. Um, because, you know, what's interesting, um, I just heard this last week, somebody said it to us, uh, we were talking to somebody in Europe and they said, the patchler just told us we don't need to, to look into country living because we can do that when the Sunday law passes. And, and then I said, but how are you supposed to get these things going quickly, right? Trees take a long time. And we knew that, and that was one of the first things that we decided to do when we got the property was plant trees, because it doesn't, you know, wealth gained hastily, right? (laughs) He who gathers little by little, you have to start early on. So waiting till later is going to make it a lot harder. But hey, if you've got money, maybe you could buy property that already has trees. That would be great, right? Right? Um, but we didn't have that option. 
And so we had to go with the forest and, and we had to go through this. And that's okay. You know, each of us has a different experience and we need to like just be blessed in that experience. It was hard work. I think one of the hardest parts for me was doing everything with the wheelbarrow. Because um, think about it, like you're seeing that tree go down, you think, oh, wow, we got that done. But then you got to chop that tree up, put it in there, move it out of the way, go stack it. And it was just like, we had a church member come over that was going to help us get bigger trees done because we were doing smaller ones and and wanted to be more comfortable with the bigger trees. And he sees our, our operation and he's like, thinking, how long are you guys going to be doing this for? <laughs> you know? And so he's like, um, I have a front loader. You think you'd want me to bring it? And we're like, well, that would be great. Yes. You know, if you don't mind. Yes. You know, and so praise the Lord. He brought his front loader, helped us with that. And um, that really got things moving a lot faster. But praise the Lord for each experience where it was at. You know, if you step in the Jordan, the Lord opens things up, right? And we just had to step out and do it even though we had limited resources. And, you know, we planted things like, what's that? Anybody know what that is? Pawpaw. We planted some pawpaws. We're probably at the northernmost uh, region where you could grow pawpaw. Actually, they can grow, but they're not as likely to set fruit. So we're probably at the very northern region. And, And we were told, and I had read, oh, deer don't bother these trees you don't have to worry about a fence and all and uh not on our property they didn't tell the deer in our area about that (laughs) they say there's toxins in there and it will poison the deer and so they won't eat it like i said they didn't get the memo in our neck of the woods and so uh anything sweet anything sweet they they eat in our you know in our area so that that didn't turn out you know we we planted those we planted you know obviously apple trees and different oh yeah that's right different uh various trees on the property and we've continued ever since the beginning to plant more and we'll continue to do so as long as we have enough room for them and it's such a special experience and we've used you know the special grandma white's method if you've ever seen i i I bought a i think it's about a eight or a nine hundred page book by rodale and it's it's on composting if you ever just have a hankering to read 900 pages on composting Rodale wrote one of those, and in that book, it talks about Grandma White's tree planting method, right? I I know most of you have already heard about that, but it's interesting that in even secular books, they're teaching the Grandma White tree planting method, right? What a blessing. And so, you know, we've done that very thing since the beginning. Yes, and I'm going to, you know, thinking about this, we got right away to work before we built the house. Proverbs twenty four twenty seven. Many of you know this verse. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterwards, what? Build thine house. So that's what we did. We worked on the field first and there's always more to do, right? You don't work on the field one time and you're like, I'm done. We're still working on the field. You're continually working on the field. And we're still actually still clearing more trees because we're back to the wheelbarrow again. And so uh, it's just a slow process of making more and more. So we have a good amount of space cleared, but we need need more. And so we keep working on that. And praise the Lord for winter, right? Giving us time to do those kinds of things. So I'm going to show you a little experience that we had. So um, we're, we're leading up to what the Lord is doing with us now with Health and Homestead, our YouTube channel. 
prior to that, you know, prior to COVID, um, we were wanting to have more of a presence online in terms of um, sharing our our journey of doing country living, right? And we would take films and do all kinds of stuff. But with our travels and trying to do that, it was overwhelming. And so this was one of our attempts on my birthday um, for, for us to put something up online to kind of let people know what was going on with us. And we just kind of let it flop after this because we just did, couldn't keep up with the travels and doing all this. So here's, here's something Chad put together. Hey everybody, Chad Cruiser here with Anchor Point Films and I wanted to say happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Fadia. And she's been a trooper. She's been traveling around with me for years, and we've just been working on our property uh, off and on for the last few weeks. Uh, we've been felling trees uh, to prepare an area for an orchard and for a garden area and for the house, actually, because there's no house there yet. So we're camping in a tent, and she, like I said, she's a real trooper. Um, you know, just 200 feet away, our neighbor showed us a picture of a bear that had been there the same week, and uh, she's getting, you know, mosquito bites all over, and uh, so much so that her elbow, you couldn't tell whether it was her elbow or her, you know, mosquito bite, a tick bite, all kinds of things. There's no bathroom out there. And so she's a real trooper. And I asked her, well, what do you want for your birthday? And she, this is what she wanted. You know, this, this high-tech gizmo here, uh, basically a bag with a hose on it for showering when we're out on the property because obviously there's no running water at this point and so uh that's that's so far what she's what she's gotten for her birthday and um, i really appreciate all your work all your effort and that you don't give up and um you know it's very special to be sleeping out in a tent with me and it's been such a blessing it makes me think about what the pioneers had to go through with cross cuts i mean we have chainsaws it's still a ton of work uh but it's been such a blessing you might be thinking, wow, what lavish gifts he showers upon his wife, right? Uh, not quite, but... Well, when you have a common goal of, of um, trying to build a home, you got to cut where you got to cut, right? So that's our way. And what he said in the video about pioneers... We constantly thought about the pioneers. Like every day. Every day. Every day. We're thinking, we're using chainsaws, you know, and these guys were, you know, using cross-cut saws. They were using axes. And it's no wonder that the first winter the pilgrims were here, nearly 50% of them died. What an intent. I mean, we at least could go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, when the weather got bad, they had nowhere to go. And that's why they just died. I mean, you realize what a sacrifice it was for them to come to this country for religious liberty. Mm. What an incredible thing they did. And, and as we, at the end of time, the more and more God's people, as we get toward the end of time, need to move out of the cities. And it's once again for religious liberty. Mm. You know, uh, this is, we seem to do a lot of the building in the winter. And we're in Michigan. And Michigan in the winter is what? Cold and snowy. And so, you know, you'd get to the, you'd get to the site again and you'd have to shovel it off. And uh, that, that was kind of like a, you know, seemingly a waste of time every day. But not really. All of these things are for our character building, right? These are things that help us to grow. The simple things of life are to be a blessing to our own souls and to make us a blessing to others. That's 
what it's partly all about. And so the process continued to go on as we were building, and slowly it came together. And through those cold winter months, it continued on. And one of the things that the first year, other than planting fruit trees, we couldn't get to actually doing the agricultural work because we didn't have everything ready in the field, even though we were trying to do it. So one of the things we learned was we learned about the food that was naturally all around us. We learned about wild edible plants. And that was a real blessing in and of itself. I mean, literally everywhere I looked was wild edible food. And it gave me a connection with nature that I had never really had before, even though I always loved nature before that. Now I actually knew the nature around me by name and knew its uses, whether it was medicinal or whether it was edible. And that experience, it's kind of like if you, if you go walking and you see people and you see neighbors around you and you say hi, and then you see them a few weeks later, you say hi, and after a while you say, hey, my name's Chad, and they say, you know, I'm John, and you get to know them a little bit. Well, when you get to know somebody's name, there's, there's a deeper level of intimacy at that point. And so too with the plants all around us, Adam, what did he do? He actually named the animals. He, I'm sure he knew all the plants around him. And there's something special about it. When you know the, the name of the plants around you, it brings a deeper level of intimacy. And we already saw that nature is the voice of Jesus speaking to us. So it just kind of deepened that experience. And Fadia, not only once we finally were able to finish the house... We did, you know, we began to, actually that was, it got done just, just before COVID. Actually, we moved in just before COVID. And as we did, uh, we began to plant food. And as the garden began to grow, Fadia had a wonderful job. They just were multiplying. <laughs> and I would go and and look under the leaves for them and everything. And But mind you, you know, if we if we took off someplace and then we came back and I was just like, oh man, Chad, they've taken over the potatoes again. As long as we were home, we could keep on top of them. But yeah. being with travel, you know, that made it a little harder. So um, it's a potato bug. And what I would do is I'd take a, a plastic bottle, um, you know, like a drinking bottle, and I'd put some salt water in there. And then I just scoop them in there and shake it up, scoop it in there, shake them up constantly. And sometimes I'd leave it out in the sun. And that boy, that was nasty. Um, I was like, Chad, can you go put this in the compost <laughs> uh, or throw it in the forest? Yeah, but it's just something. Again, it teaches you so much about life and and how if we let things go, they just multiply. Right? Just like sin multiplies if we just let it go, let it slide, and it eats us up just like they eat up these plants. And um, just beautiful object lessons that we continue to learn. And um, yeah, here's a picture of the house completed. We finally got it done. And it has been such a blessing to finally be in there. And then but everything was point by point. Like, okay, we couldn't afford gutters at first. And then so you have these like trenches, you know, when the rain comes and, and uh, then you fill them back in and, and finally you get enough money for gutters. And then you rejoice that you have gutters, you know. <laughs> and each step of the way, you begin to appreciate things, right? When you step by step are doing these things. And then, and then we, we had to run off propane because our wood was not seasoned enough yet. And finally, now it's seasoned. 
and we rejoice that we can burn wood, you know, and point by point, each experience has been totally new to us. And I'm actually glad that we didn't get everything right away. And praise the Lord, if you had enough money to go buy a place and it was already, hey, that's great. But it's given an experience where each aspect of life, because we lived in, for years, we traveled just in, with a minivan. And then we got a motorhome. And you got two responses to the motorhome. Somebody would say, oh, you poor thing. And others would say, wow, that's like a dream, right? <laughs> you know, and, and for us, was. we're like, man, a motorhome is like a mansion compared to a minivan, right? <laughs> and then, so that was a step up. And even though our house really isn't that big, like it's like 1,260 square foot uh, finished, that's not that big. But compared to a 300 foot motorhome, wow, this is a mansion, right? And so each aspect of life in Paul said that he learned in whatsoever state he was therewith to be what? Content. Content. And I want to say with you, or I want to share with you, we, we enjoyed the travel in the minivan. We loved our life in the motorhome. And we're enjoying our life now. We need to learn to be content wherever we are. Where you are now, be content and God can bless you with the next area of life. But if we're not content now, how are we ever going to be content? We want to learn from Paul's experience. So we got rid of the motorhome in order to buy the property and start building. But praise the Lord, we had it for the time we did. Um, And then praise the Lord, I know this is a funny thing to say, but for us, praise the Lord for COVID. I know it's been tough, and it has been tough for us because we make a living off of making documentaries and traveling and everything, and then boom, everything just stopped. Literally, and then people weren't buying. Who's going to buy a DVD when you don't know when your next paycheck's coming, right? And so nothing, and it was like, whoa, this is serious, you know? But the blessing was, we're always traveling. Like one year, um, we traveled so much, we, we counted it, and we were home maybe two weeks the whole year. And it was like, whoa, this is crazy. We're just like overdoing it, you know? And um, praise the Lord, we, don't, we didn't do that after that year. We just really tried to like decrease the amount of time we were traveling. But um, even with this, okay, so it's a lot of work. And we were, we were really wanting to get the garden going. And in order to get the garden going, you got to get the fence up. Because the deer will just tear everything up. And so... As we live next to the National Forest, and our food is the best food, even if it's not that great, it's yes. the best food anywhere around. Yes. And so, but the thing is, is we had these mounds. Do you see that mound? It's still in there. On the right side and the that, left that's side. That's part of the excavating that we couldn't get rid of because we, we do it by wheelbarrow. We're moving them by <laughs> wheelbarrow, one, one wheelbarrow load at a time. And so we finally were like, okay, enough with the mounds. They're just going to have to be there. We got to put a fence up. But because of COVID, we had to stay home. And now we actually could get the garden done. And because we started contemplating like, man, if we we're going to go here and here and here, when are we going to get this garden in? And we got it in by God's grace. It was just amazing. And praise the Lord. So Chad's going to tell you about um, some of his you know, favorite we, things. We that- grow all <laughs> kinds of things. But one of the things that I just love is, does anybody know what this is? Jerusalem artichoke. Man, what a beautiful plant to grow. And they're indigenous to North America. 
What a beautiful thing. So you have these, they're not giant flowers. That makes it look kind of big, but they're not that big, but they're just so beautiful. And they come out, the flowers come out after everything else in the garden is like dying off or looking kind of pathetic other than the kale. And that, that kind of, the kale and the brassicas look fine at that time of year. But you have this beautiful thing at the end of summer and fall is coming on and, and then you can pick them any time of the winter. You can harvest the tubers any time of the winter. And so, Obviously, it gets a little harder once the ground gets frozen, but you can still do it if you want to. And it's just such a blessing. I'll show you one simple clip from our YouTube channel called Health and Homestead. Yes? Tell them a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. So for years, like we said, we've done video work. We've made documentaries, and I always wanted to do try to reach the public with YouTube. And we made some videos, but never consistently did it. And then COVID hits, and we began to have time. And so that's what we began to do. And so we began to regularly, regularly, multiple videos every single week, and it began to grow, it began to be a blessing. We were connecting with people that we never would have been able to connect with in other ways. And that's what we were hoping for. Because yes, we connect with people in conferences like this, but we wanted to reach people in all different walks of life. I'll show you just a short clip from one of the videos. People are growing more food than ever. You can see that by the fact that this past year, many of the seed companies were running out of various varieties of seeds because so many people were buying. Many, many people do it because they want to have better nutrition. They grow it themselves. Other people are doing it because they look out on the horizon, they see political unrest, societal upheaval, and they think, man, I need to grow my own food. Other people just like the idea of being self-sufficient as much as possible. But whatever it is, when you're looking to grow your own food, you want to grow food that has good nutrition, and you can get a good crop, a good yield. And this next crop is one of the top three crops that you might want to grow if you were seeking to truly be self-sustaining. The time has come to harvest my corn. And I'm going to share with you why corn may be one of the most important crops that you can grow if you were looking to be self-sustaining. And secondarily, this is one of the highest yielding crops there are. But if you were only to eat corn, you would get a certain disease that would ultimately cause dementia and then death. What disease is that? We're going to find out at the end of this video. Hey everybody, Chad Cruiser here with Health and Homestead. And I'll leave it there. But uh, we wanted to, since we were locked down, I, I, we're used to, like I said, 19 years of constant travel, constant connecting with people, constantly uh, you know, traveling to different countries and meeting people of different cultures. And we realized we can do this in a way even though we can't travel right now. And so that's what we began to do. It's been such a blessing for us to communicate with people even now around the world and we were contacted by a couple in Spain who have been watching our videos they saw these videos and they're like I wonder if he's uh well sure enough you know and they contacted me and and they said we want to begin to to translate these into Spanish so that the Spanish you know like speaking audience can also uh watch your videos because it's really touched their lives and so we are starting a second YouTube channel that will be actually have the audio for people to watch it in Spanish also and we are trying to reach people on a, there's many different routes so health and homestead we share with people scientific studies on uh, 
natural remedies that have been compared in the scientific literature head-to-head with pharmaceutical medication, and we are generally showing the ones that have been shown to be just as good or better with significantly less side effects. We're also showing foods to grow in difficult times, uh, how to be seeking to be as sustainable as possible while living off the land. And so I want to share just a few things in closing. Uh, some things to think about. You may have, you may have seen this. Uh, actually, I missed the quote. So here is the quote. I want you to notice this with me. Three things that prepared Moses to be the individual that would lead people to the promised land. This is powerful. Moses had been learning much that, the, that he must unlearn. The influences that had surrounded him in Egypt, the love of his foster mother, his own high position as the king's grandson, the dissipation on every hand, the refinement, the the subtlety, and the mysticism of a false religion, the splendor of idolatrous worship, the solemn grandeur of the architecture and sculpture, all had left deep impressions upon his mind and had molded to some extent his habits and character. So what needed to change? Time, change of surroundings, and communion with God could remove these impressions. Three things that can really change people. Not that only three things, but three primary things that can change people's lives. Number one are time. If you want to be healed, healing is a process. If you get cut, is the next day the cut totally healed? No, it takes time. Healing takes time. The same thing happens even in our spiritual life. Number two is a change of surroundings. Getting away, Fadia talked about growing up in, in the city and how that was, she was impacted by the world around her. And so was I, significantly. I mean, incredibly. And I negatively impacted other people's lives in the city. And so having that change of surrounding where we're looking at different things. And by the way, Country living doesn't necessarily make it so that you have no temptations. If you're watching all the same media that you would watch in the city that you watch in the country, and you get your kids all the latest video games and the latest smartphones, um, it's almost guaranteed that they will be looking at... It's like, I'll just be honest, it's like giving your child a large library of pornography. I mean, this is the serious times we're living in. You know, giving, uh, you know, just license to see anything, it's going to be there. And so moving to the country, we need to consider, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And the third one here is uh, some people who needed a change of surroundings to change their lives. Moses. We look at Paul. He went off to Arabia. We look at Enoch, who would go off into the country. We look at the Israelites, who went off into the wilderness. We look at Nebuchadnezzar, who spent time out in the country on a plant-based diet. In the sunshine, right? Drinking fresh water. And we think of the disciples. Each of them, the disciples spent time with Jesus, traveling from place to place. They spent time in Gethsemane with him. They all had changes of surroundings. And the third one is communion with God. Communion with God can change our lives. And I want to change, I want to finish with two things. That for Moses, it wasn't just these things. Time, change of surroundings, and communion with God could remove these impressions. It would require 
the part of Moses himself, on the part of Moses himself, a struggle as for life to renounce error and accept truth. But God would be his helper when the conflict should be too severe for human strength. What does this mean? This means that when we are going to, if we're going to become the people God has called us to be to go into the promised land, it is going to be a fight as for our lives. It is going to be a fight as for our lives. And this is the last quote, and then we'll close. You might think, but 40 years for Moses, that was a waste of time. Many would have dispensed, man would have dispensed with that long period of toil and obscurity, deeming it a great loss of time, but infinite wisdom called him who was to become the leader of his people to spend 40 years in the humble work of a shepherd. The habits of caretaking, of self-forgetfulness, and tender solicitude for his flock thus developed would prepare him to become the compassionate, long-suffering shepherd of Israel. No advantage that human training or culture could bestow could be a substitute for this experience. And we're told one of the great works that your children could do, one of the greatest works they could actually do is... Animal husbandry. Animal husbandry. (laughs) Because it will do for them what it did for Moses. It causes you to be self-forgetful. You have to think about the life of the animal. It depends upon you. It can even depend upon the life of your child. So what a powerful work. And I say all this, God is calling us, many of us, many of you are already out there. But those of you who are not, maybe some of those who are watching on the live stream right now, and the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, allow Him to lead. Don't be fanatical about it. Don't run out not knowing what you're doing. You want to see God's leading step by step. You want to know, is there a way for you to make a living? God has to show step by step the progress, the process for you, but as He leads, go right behind Him. Don't go too far behind, but also don't go ahead of God. Friends, I'll tell you, it's been one of the greatest blessings of our lives to be able to spend this time out in nature, to have the Holy Spirit continue to work on our lives, and we, there's a lot more to be worked on. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes. (laughs) But I would challenge you, allow God to lead you step by step. Do you have anything before we close? Just, you heard our, our testimony this evening, and that it's not an easy thing, but it's a rewarding thing right? And uh, just like Jonah, like I said in the beginning, God sometimes asks us to do the harder thing. But in the end, even if we don't like it, just like Jonah didn't like it, guess what Jonah's going to have in heaven? He's going to have a bunch of Assyrians come and tell him how much they love him and how much they appreciate him. And that's the reward each of us can have. Uh, We can have You think about Moses, if he stayed in Egypt, what would his life have been like? You know, would we have these wonderful stories of the children of Israel? No, we wouldn't have. And in heaven, Moses is going to be thanked day after day by the children of Israel and many of us because he did the harder thing. And so we may see this as as like, whoa, that's too much. I don't want to stay in a tent. I don't want to shower outside. I don't want to do all this crazy stuff you did. Maybe you won't have to do that, you know? Maybe you won't have to, but maybe you will. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that our hearts are drawn to God in the midst of it. Amen.
and that God would change us so that we would be a greater light in the world in these last days. Let us close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Jesus who did the harder thing for us 2,000 years ago. When our, the weight of our sin crushed His Spirit, as He was going to the cross, the trauma of being separated from You, yet He was willing to go forward and give everything for us. Father, if there's anything in our lives that is coming between our souls and the Savior, help us to let go. Lord, if you are leading someone here to country living, I pray that you would guide them, that they would see your moving hand, that they would not go ahead of you, but they would step right in the path that Jesus is treading just before them. Father, draw each one of us nearer to you, we pray. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.